Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpart. It is a major championship week. Sleeves, we got the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. I cannot wait for these boys to get out there. And I have a feeling it's going to play a little difficult for these guys. I hope it does. I hope we get carnage like I always root for at the U.S. Open. I'd love to see even par be the score around there. They don't got to do a lot to that golf course. It's already a big, tough golf course. A couple tweaks. Played as a par 71. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. We're gonna get into some of our big names later on in the show. But uh, Congaree just wrapped up. Gary Kigo, shout out to him. One of the hottest guys on the planet. Three out of his last five events, he's won up to 39th in the world. But I was watching this week, and I think the highlight for me, Colt, was uh, the little squall that came through. And our boy Aaron <laughs> Fleener, shout out to the big cat Fleener, got caught out there without an umbrella. Caddy as a, as a tour caddy, that's a no, that's a that's a worst case scenario right there. I mean, especially when you're in the southeast in the summer and it's as humid as it humid as it is. I mean, these thunderstorms pop up everywhere. They might have been the only people on the golf course without an umbrella, and it just happened to be that they were the featured group and getting shown every single shot. So not the finest moment, I will say. JT told him to take it out. He yeah. said, if it, if it rains, there's going to be electricity in it. We're not going to be out here anyway, but boy, were they wrong. I was wrong. I didn't have anything. I just took it, but it was so damn hot. Did you just hot. get pounded? Yeah, it was so hot, I didn't actually mind it. Yeah, a little 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 rinse off. It is disgusting there how hot and humid it is. It is. A, it looks sticky as hell over there. I mean, it's 117 as we're sitting here right now in Phoenix, but down there I was looking, I was like, that looks it looks tough. Thursday was one of the most miserable days for me on the golf course ever. First off, my group really struggled. They didn't play that well, so it wasn't that there wasn't much energy. And then it was so humid. I was like, if I was playing right now, I might get casual water relief from my sweat that is yeah. going down. I said you get done with those days and you just take your stuff off and you almost want to just throw it away. Like I, there's yep. no way I could ever wear this shirt again. But yeah, shout out to the big cat. He caught some caught some heat on Twitter, all that stuff. But him and JT talked about it before the round. They decided to leave the umbrella out. But it was just funny <laughs> watching them just. Get, well, I mean, JT looked like he had just jumped in the pool afterwards. And considering that. Just a few weeks ago, yes. Aaron Fleener talked about this exact situation on Golf Subpar, and boy, did it backfire. Uh, that was a, my favorite part of the of yeah. the broadcast this week. We've got a young superstar in the making in Garrett Kigo. There's no doubt about that. Got to feel, I feel, I feel bad personally for Chesson Hadley. I mean, that's one that he, yeah, that one's gonna take a while to get over. He let that one get away. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was the wheels were spinning coming in, and he just he couldn't stop it. And, you know, he kind of gifted one to Garrett Kigo, I thought. Yeah, pressure is a strange thing. I mean, there's a guy that's looked good all week. He's been the, the leader pretty much every single was he, he was trying to go wire to wire, wasn't he? Didn't he come out the gates leading? If, if not, he was at or near the top of the leaderboard the entire week. Three holes left, just kicked this thing in, two-shot lead. Bogey, bogey, bogey. I mean, damn. I mean, I think if you told Chesson at the beginning of the week, hey, you'll finish second this week, he might have been like, yeah, that sounds pretty well, good. But the way playing, the, yeah. entering with a four-shot lead, it's just you just never know what the hell is going to happen down the stretch, especially with a guy that's trying to get his first win in a long time and hadn't been in the best stretch of golf uh, going in. But, uh, yeah, Garrett Kiko in his only second PGA Tour start getting on the board, 39th in the world now, 22, throw him in the mix now, I guess, of all these young studs out there. There's a lot of them. Shit. Yep, they're everywhere. He, is, uh, he could make some noise over there at Torrey Pines. No doubt about that. There's also another guy that is going to make some noise. He didn't get a win or anything at Congaree. I believe he finished top 15. Wilco Nienaber. Yes. From old Nienaber. South Africa. He's 21 years old. He weighs about a buck 40 and absolutely sends it. Okay. I was out on the range with him because I've heard how far this gets yeah. into. Thursday, he registered 202 ball speed on the golf course. Which, Whatever. you know, on the range, we'll see Bryson get there, but on the golf course, he's never gotten to 200. Yeah. This kid, 202, looks like he's just swinging at it about 70%. I go out on the range the next day. I'm standing there with Trevor Immelman, who is the President's Cup captain for the international team. And I'm like, uh, 
You think, get on your, on you think your radar? You, you, you interested in something like that? But we're just watching him hit drivers, and I'm like, dear Lord. I mean, the ball, it disappears very quickly out there. It was something special to watch. I mean, and it looks, like I said, it looks effortless. This kid, I mean, this is the future of golf right here. These kids swinging at 130 miles an hour. Trevor's like, I would love to put him up against Bryson and just watch Bryson's head spin out there when this little 140-pound kid just is just nothing. sending it by him. Yeah, no, not not drinking any protein shakes, uh-uh. not getting in the gym, just nothing. And it looks like it's just cruiser speed. Like, it doesn't look weird. When Bryson tries to hit the 200 and he's doing it on you know Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, it looks like there's nothing left in the tank. He Wilco swings in and it's like, there's some more in there. Like That just looks like cruiser speed trying to find the fair, and then it just comes off, bam, it's 200 miles an hour. I mean, it's a joke. Like He's just the next guy to take the baton. Now he's a 200, and in a couple years, there'll be some guy that hits 205. I mean, it's just going and going like this, but he's not even a big dude, and like... I've been hearing about him for a little while, and now it's cool to see him in the States because now everyone's going to see him. And he's going to be one of those one-name guys, like Wilco. Like, yeah. That's all you have to say. He uh, got a special exemption from the USGA for the U.S. Open, so they obviously have taken notice, and it's it's going to be cool to see. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and start winning major championships, but it is going to be cool. And if you're in his gallery, maybe bring a helmet because it's going to hurt if it hits you. And bring some earplugs, too, that think could that cause some damage. Going in the U.S. Open, did you see this yesterday? Shout out to our boy Billy Horschel on Instagram yesterday, posted a story. Some guys were showing up yesterday, getting in there, practicing, putting, all that. Goes in the locker room, takes a picture. There's Charlie Hoffman's locker, got the nameplate and all that. And then right above it, a little stuffed seagull. Positioned perfectly with the pooper right down the front. So mm-hmm. it's like a little poop mistletoe. You walk under that, Charlie was going to, you're going to get caught with a little a Courtesy little of our man, Robbie Zalznick yes. of the USGA. He's the one who got it, uh, pulled that little prank off which i was very very proud of it was God, perfect I, mean, I, I love it so much i mean people are not even gonna know him as charlie anymore it's just gonna be the seagull the name has exploded like we're getting we you we you know mallinger john mallinger shout out john mallinger he's the one that coined this back in the day but we've been calling him that a lot on the radio show now you're out on the broadcast you're throwing it out there people love, i feel like you're exactly right like anytime he's in the ga- the, the galleries around him like you get the Ca-ca! you get all those coming in we got some videos from the players it was perfect but yeah shout out to the boys at the usga for yep. We're getting that done, making him feel welcome. Hometown kid, you got to make him hey, do something I, special. I love that kind of stuff. All Perfect. right. Well, this week, one of my favorite people in the golfing world, arguably the nicest man on the planet, Noda Big A the Third, joins us in studio. Yes, Noda, the four-time PGA Tour winner turned broadcaster, comes in. We get some Tiger stories. We get some stories from his playing days. Talk about them double hoop earrings that he used to wear. The only guy to really successfully pull off the double hoop, in my opinion in PGA Tour history. Hard hard act to follow if you're a double hooper coming up. I tell you what, people, you know, they know him as Tiger's friend. They know him as a broadcaster now. They don't realize how good of a player this guy was. Like you said, four-time PGA Tour winner, won twice in his rookie season and wasn't even rookie of the year. Remember yeah. the President's Cup team with Tiger? Tells some great stories about that. So let's get to it. Here's Nota Begay the third on Golf Subpar. All right. Well, before we get to our guy, Nota Begay the third, I want to tell you about TaylorMade's Tour Response Golf Ball. Sleaze, every tour pro pro on earth swears by urethane golf balls, and there are plenty of expensive options for tour golf balls for those that want that. But if you're the kind of golfer that wants more performance for less, there's Tour Response from TaylorMade. Tour Response. It's a golf ball. It's a tour-quality golf ball that doesn't cost as much as other balls. We've all been out there, spent a bunch on new Pro Vs, whatever it is. You get out there, and after the round, you're done, and you got to go do it again. So get you a tour-quality ball that doesn't break the bank. Tour Response. Yep, goes high, goes far, spins around the greens. It's the perfect golf ball. Swear by it, not at it. Use code SUBPARTM for free two-day shipping. That's code SUBPARTM for free two-day shipping. Tailor-made tour response. All right, here's our guy Noda Begay III on Golf Subpar. All right, the man sitting with us here today knows a thing or two about the game of golf. He's a four-time PGA Tour winner. 
golf analyst extraordinaire, Albuquerque, New Mexico's finest. Nota Begay, welcome aboard, my man. Hey, great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Great to be sitting next to my good buddy, Colty, who've been given a hard time for the last 20 years. Uh, so I'm going to do a little bit more of that. One of the Coming few, feel free to lay it on thick tonight. <laughs> One of the few, he always calls me Colty. Colty. <laughs> Colty. Always. I'm like, Colty. Oh, you no always enough. know who he is <laughs> when I'm true. coming around the That's corner, true. right? You've been called worse names than that. Uh, way worse. Yeah. Colty let's, ain't too bad. Let's talk a little bit about New Mexico. What was what was it like for you growing up trying to play golf in, in New Mexico? It's hard. I mean, it's <laughs> certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. It's not Dallas or Texas or California or Florida where you see a lot of Real, um, you know, flourishing junior golf circuits and tournaments, good players. I mean, uh, there's more cows in New Mexico than there are people. So if that gives Ooh. you that's a real statistic. No. Yeah. Wow. Um, so <laughs> it, you know, just trying to work your way into being seen by coaches was was difficult. And um, it wasn't easy. Certainly didn't come from a, a wealthy background. You know, my parents did what they could to get me a great education and the equipment I needed to play. Um, the only way I was able to really break in was I asked for a job um, at a local public course when I was nine years old. And the head pro gave me a job in exchange for cha- practice privileges. So nine years old, nine going to years, work. Nine, I, was, I was out sweeping, cleaning That's... trash cans, uh, picking up baskets, and driving the best part about it is when you're nine you think driving carts is cool so uh, i got to park the carts and pull them out um pull them out early in the morning and i've just practiced all day and that's kind of how i started to develop a game and then just started playing more tournaments and winning and then before i knew it i was um, one of the top juniors in america and, and got a chance to go play at stanford which was a great great opportunity yeah, we're going to get into Stanford here in a minute. But one thing I did not know about you until today, we're going to get into a lot of golf. We're going to dig into the weeds on golf. But you led your team in high school to two back-to-back state championships in basketball. Yeah. How does that not give more pub? How did I just <laughs> I find know. out about that today? Um, probably because it was New Mexico, and there's more cows in New Mexico than there are people. Um, <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, but um, it was great. I played for a gentleman named Mike Brown at a school, uh, the Albuquerque Academy. And... Um, was a captain of the basketball team, and we just uh, we had a nice group of players. We had a couple guys play Division One that came from our team, and uh, it was um, a great experience. Got to play in the pit, the famous yeah. pit in Albuquerque, and um, ran off a couple state championships, and it was just uh, a, a quite an experience. And I think an interesting thing, we just mentioned Stanford and Albuquerque, the pit, you know, big things in my life, but – um, my coach at Stanford, Wally Goodwin, never saw me hit a golf ball till I got to campus. He Whoa. actually came and watched us play in the state championship basketball tournament in Albuquerque. That was his home visit to come watch us play. Um, we won the state championship, and then he's like, well, if this kid's is half as good as he is on the basketball court, I want him on my golf team. So that was the probably one of the more intriguing stories of my recruiting um, experience uh before i ended up on the farm yeah wow that's that's, that's rather interesting I what's mean, the give me the note of a gay scouting report all right there's, there's <laughs> a state championship game other team they're in the locker room all right noted this is what he likes to do what was it great shooter loves to shoot um not great defender perfect can't jump not very fast but a great teammate so that's kind of that would be the scouting loves report i mean shoot. just don't leave me open loves don't to shoot open. doesn't like I'm not to afraid play i'm not afraid that. yeah i mean i'm being honest yeah. i mean I always, when we went um, through our scouting report of the other team, 
um, two of my great, good friends on the team were great athletes, and they're like, okay, this guy's a, he's their best player. You take him, and then they assigned all and whoever was left over. That's who <laughs> yeah, I. That's, that's who I. Yeah, right? he sucks. No, no, you no, got him. No. Right. If he scores. Um, and my teammates really um, gave me a hard time because one game. They, uh, the opposing team from Santa Fe had a player with one leg that was shorter than the other. And that's the guy guarding. He had his best game of the year that <laughs> night. So it just kind of gives you an indication of, of, of my uh, defensive skill. So I'm, I'm, an off- I'm an offensive guy. Cole. I get you it. You know that. I, I do. What else do you do in high school other than just jack threes and play no D? <laughs> so that's how you do I it. I played soccer. I was an all-state soccer player as God, well. No shit? Yeah. Wow. So we had a wonderful soccer team. My senior year, we were ranked seventh in the country. And um, we had a couple. We had quite a few guys from that team um, playing Division One. My good friend was a captain at North Carolina, and uh, he's now a doctor in Nashville. Speaking, of, you know, we were talking about Nashville earlier, but um, that was back in the era, guys, where you played every sport, played right? All, yeah. Like now, specializations become a thing, and I think for a lot of kids, it ruins their youth sports experiences because it forces you to go down a path that you not necessarily know that's going to end up somewhere that you want to be in 10 years. And I just think that I encourage, and my kids do it. I encourage as many kids as possible to play as much as they can just because you get so much um, benefit from playing other sports because the, you know, your body moves in different ways, the strategies, how your mind factors into certain things. And so when I got to college and was playing in the team concept in individual sport, I was already used to being on teams. And so I was very much a rah-rah team guy trying to get the guys to focus on being held accountable at practices and things like that, which I think is important now in the team game. Yeah, and I mean, you you get to Stanford and you all win the national championship in 94. I mean, pretty star-studded team. Who are some of those guys? Well, I mean, it's it's cool looking back on it because – I'll give you an interesting story. So Casey Martin, who was my teammate, who came in with me in that class of 1990 uh, to Stanford, it was the first time the program had ever gotten two recruits that were both ranked in the top 10. And we did turn, we, we were lucky to turn the program around, but we had gotten to a point where we were, we were very good and we won the national championship in 1994. And we had four juniors on that team and one senior. And our senior was the fifth best player on the team. So he was not you know a great great fifth guy he was okay um so we replaced him with tiger woods the following year and so we're about fast forward a year later we're about to head to nationals we're a month away from going to play nationals again and i'm sitting with casey we're just sitting on the range it's a beautiful spring afternoon in palo alto and we're watching tiger woods hit balls about 50 yards away from us and we're just kind of sitting there watching him, and Casey looks over to me, he goes, you know what, Tiger's a top 100 player right now in the world, right? And I'm just like, oh, whatever, man. I'm like, I can beat the guy, <laughs> and I'm not a top 100 player in the world, right? Just, I just always had that inner confidence um, back then. And uh, so that was in May, early May of 1995. So you fast forward two years later, and all of a sudden this guy <laughs> – Sets the world on fire mm-hmm. and wins the Masters by 12 shots. Twenty Less than 24 months later. Yeah. And I'm thinking when, when I'm watching Tiger put the green jacket on in 97, I'm like, well, you know, Casey might have been right about that. <laughs> he might have a little better after talent than right? you. Right, yeah. That's why he's a good coach. <laughs> exactly. You know, he coaches at University of Oregon. But just an interesting, eclectic team. I mean, Tiger goes on to 
to do what he does uh, on the golf course. Um, Casey Martin got to argue his court, got to sit in the U.S. Supreme Court um, fighting for Americans with Disabilities Act and getting, you know, pushing those issues forward and myself just sort of advocating for youth on the Native American front with all of our issues related to trying to just enable more Native American youth to have better opportunities and understand health and and fitness and, and those sorts of things. I just think um, it was a pretty special team to be on, not just for the golf stuff, but for what everybody did outside of the golf. Yeah, that's cool. That's one thing, obviously, I didn't look at. But that team, I mean, you mentioned Tiger comes in and takes your fifth guy's place in 95. After you already won, I mean, did were people kind of like, okay, well, everyone's playing for second. This isn't even fair. That, Tiger that's Woods really what it came down to. And then when we lost, I blamed Tiger completely. And to this day, I, I still say he made us worse. Um, which Bad is something, yeah, that yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we still have a chuckle about it all the time. And uh, he always, you know him, Colty, he's got, uh, cool. always, always got, has a great comeback for you. He's not, not short of trash talk. Um, but yeah, that was that was some pretty pretty special time for me up at Palo Alto, and, and coming all the way from Albuquerque. So, all right, Tiger walks into the first team meeting. You never met him. I assume you didn't know him before because you were a handful of years apart. What first impression of Tiger was when you meet him first time? Uh, well, I've, I'd known Tiger since he was nine. Oh, so you know we've been friends over forty years now, and I met him at the what was the Optimist Junior Worlds back then in San Diego because he was in the same age group as my younger brother. So I went to watch my younger brother play, and then I hear this Tiger Woods is winning every tournament by 15, 20 shots. I'm like, who is this guy? So I went and I watched him finish out, and he won again, and I went up and I introduced myself, and I just said, hey, look, we're, it looks like we're going to be playing against each other for the rest of our lives. You know, let's, let's be friends, essentially. And so we became friends at that point. So when he did come to Palo Alto, we'd already been friends for almost 10 years. We've been traveling around. Um, Earl was always great about looking after me because my parents couldn't travel with me, but Earl was always there with Tiger. And so Earl would make sure that I had ride from the airport, ride to the course, that I had something to eat at night. Um, just all the little things that kind of slip through the cracks when people think about elite level junior golf you know you got to get to the ven venues and all the all the logistical things and you know I kind of became like a second son to Earl and um and that's why Tiger and I are so close mm -hmm. and so when he came to Palo Alto it was like my little brother was coming to campus to join our team and the first meeting that we ever had together I kind of pulled a line from Charles Barkley when I said hey you're going to be the strongest freshman in the country because you're going to carry all our bags yeah. when we go to the airport and we go on trips and because it was four seniors who already had national championship rings and one freshman who didn't so he was the bottom of the barrel he was going to do all of the odds and ends that none of us As wanted to should. do and he did it yeah. it was great but then it, it came to an end yeah quickly. it came to an end pretty <laughs> yeah, quick Were, how much of an influence did you have on him coming to stanford you know uh, a little i'd like to say um our friendship was what sort of attracted him to, to the university, but, you know, Tita was always such a huge proponent of education. You know, Earl was always looking out for the golf and the business stuff, but Tita was always, always wanted to make sure that Tiger pursued a really high level of, of education, and, you know, he got great grades. Uh, he was a 4.0 plus student in high school, and so the, the education wasn't the issue. It was just what was going to be the right fit for him, and I never told, um, Wally Goodwin, who was the coach at the time, but when Tiger came 
um, on his recruiting trip. There's two great stories I'll share with you around that. Um, the first of which is when he was about to go to the airport to go back home after his two or three days on campus, um, I asked to have a private meeting with him in coach's office. I closed the door and I just said, hey, look, I don't really care if you come here or not. And I was sort of lying because I did really care because I like to win. Reverse psychology. Um, yeah, you can't make him think you want yeah. him too much cold, you know, just kind of. And um, I said, you do what's best for you. You do what you do. You go where you are going to have the best fit, the best feel. And um, I hope it's here. And then I just I kind of walked out the door and eventually, you know, he decided to go to Stanford, which was awesome. So I'll tell you, two days prior to that, um, Tiger, you know, when he did come on his recruiting trip, it was the big recruiting weekend for Stanford sports. So it was the weekend that all of the teams got to bring in their top recruits. There was a, a big breakfast planned at like 8.30 in the morning on like a Saturday morning. Excuse me. And so coach wanted me there. But I was out all night. <laughs> Drinking, partying, you know just raising hell like you, you're supposed to in college. You know, I, I, I was, you know, the, the first one to, to charge down the lane doing that. And I woke up about 8.15 for an 8.30. And I probably smelled like about a 32-pack of beer mm. and smoke and, you know, anything else. And I went straight to the uh, breakfast. And I was out way too late. And... um and Tiger and I had known each other for so long. <laughs> Tiger shows up and he comes up, you know, to kind of give me a hug. He goes, oh, my God, have you showered? I'm like, no, man, I, I go, you got to help me. You got to do me a solid here today. And he goes, okay, okay, what? I go, whatever you do. And I looked at him right in the eye and I, and I have his, my hand on his shoulder. I'm like, whatever you do, do not let coach sit next to me today at this breakfast. He goes, okay, okay. So <laughs> coach comes in. It's a typical banquet tables. They're round. They got 10 seats, and there's nameplates everywhere. And it was like as soon as coach came in, I went to the opposite side of the table. And I'm like, and I'm giving Tiger the eye signal. Like, you go over there, and he's like, oh, coach, you know, why don't you come sit by me on this side? And, and as coach moved around closer to me, I would move on the opposite. And if he moved back the other way, I would move a few steps over. There was no way I was getting in within six feet of that guy. I, I was well within social yeah. distancing back yeah. then, right? Um, so nonetheless, that's kind of the extent of Tiger and I's relationship. It's been like that for 40 years, through the highs, through the lows. And, um, you know, we've always been there for each other uh, with things that are just so far outside of golf that – you know, or family, and um, you know he's a very special person in my life. Yeah, no doubt about and it. I know you gave him the nickname Urkel. I did. How did I that did. go over with that? I've got to think most dudes that not might be the the number one nickname. You know, he was for. a great sport. You know, you talk about somebody that comes on campus, and he was the number one recruit of the century, basically, and everybody wanted him. But he ends up on campus, and I just felt like it was important for him to know that we were already good without him. And so I gave him the nickname Urkel because Tiger at that time, this was before LASIK surgery, wore contacts. I wore contacts. A lot of people wore contacts back then before LASIK became such a big thing. And he 
at night would take his contacts out and he had these thick Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> and he was, you know, six foot one, but he weighed 100 pounds. He looked like Urkel. So I just started <laughs> calling him Urkel and it stuck in the more that he fought it, the more. Yeah, you know, that's just, that's the worst that's, thing. You yeah, can do. that's, you can't, you fight, you can't fight it. You can't <laughs> fight it. And he fought it and it stuck. Casey Martin, Willia Nagasawa, Steve Burdick. Um, Jerry Chang, all our whole team just latched on. And, you know, Conrad was, was a freshman at the same time as well. And so um, Conrad was just happy it wasn't him that was getting the nickname. It was, you know, Tiger that was doing that. And uh, we would make Tiger carry our bags um, to the van, load them up, load them in the carousel, take them from the baggage claim <laughs> to the rental car. Like, And he was a great sport. And on road trips, we'd get three rooms, one for coach and two for the players, and so there was an odd man out, and Tiger always took the, the roll-away cot. Yeah, you're He's a freshman. He's a rook, put him, Put Pay the rook dues. in the, in the roll-away. And so we did, and so he kind of, about two, three events into it, was like, man, this really sucks. And I couldn't blame him because it did suck. Yeah. He had to carry the bags. He had to sleep on the roll-away, and he got, you know, no preferential treatment whatsoever. And so he came, finally came to Casey and I, who were the captains. He's like, hey, he's like, if I win a tournament, can I stop doing all this crap? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you could do it because I just beat him in, in the Oregon mm -hmm. event by a shot. And so I'm like, I can still beat the guy. So I'll, I'll be able to keep this under control. And he went out and he won the next tournament. Mm -hmm. I mean, that doesn't surprise you guys, right? Like. Yeah. No, but I mean, while we're on Tiger, I was, like, at what point did you know, like, okay, he's something different? You know, I, it's, it, that's a tough one, you know, because we've been so close for so long, so many practice rounds, tournament rounds. We played the Walker Cup together. Um, so leading up to that, it was like I, I looked at him as like my equal, a peer versus on a pedestal. And so um, it was, it took quite some time for me to actually, say, you know, this guy's better than me because I, I never wanted to admit that anyone was, was ever better than me because that was kind of my edge as a player. But it was, we, we played in the old, um, the Disney event down in Florida and the two courses where you got to play with an amateur and then you got to play with your buddy. Mm -hmm. You know, you got, you, so Tiger and I would play together and it was the first round and, I mean, he couldn't have hit it worse. He could not have hit. I mean, we were looking for, if we didn't have 10,000 people following us, we would have lost like six balls. <laughs> but every hole, he had 10,000 people looking for his ball, and he found every one. I mean, there was one hole, the 10th hole, I believe it was on the Magnolia course down there. He hit one 50 yards left of the fairway, and the next one he hit 50 yards right of the fairway. Obviously, we found the first one. He hacks it out somehow, makes par. So I'm playing as good as I can play that day, like as good as I can play. I shoot 63. I think I'm tied for the lead or one shot of the lead, and I have his scorecard. So we go into the score, and I'm like, oh, I just, I just totally abused Tiger today. Like <laughs> he was, he was, you know, I was all over him today, right? Yeah. So I'm adding his card up, and it, it was 67. <laughs> um, I just, I was so mad. And I kept looking because I think I missed the hole. I'm like, I had to have missed the hole. There's no way he shot. I beat yeah. him by, I felt like I beat him like 10 shots, you know? And I walked out of there and I go, you know what? This guy's just better than I am. 
First off, that's an incredible story, but I love that it took till the PGA Tour for you to realize. I respect that. I'm no quitter, man. I'm no quitter. That's fantastic. Everybody else knew when he was nine. Yeah. Once he got to the first time I saw him hit balls, I knew it, but you took him all the way to the tour. Is there anything that he's done? Obviously, he's done everything in his career, but is there anything, like any accomplishment that's somewhat surprised you? Um, that last year's, uh, 2019 masters yeah. was probably the, the most impressive thing I've seen any athlete do just cause I was there, um, within a couple weeks of the first back surgery, I went to visit him down in, um, Jupiter and I, I he, he couldn't get up, he couldn't get up under his own power. I had to help him out of a, a special chair that he had to sort of take pressure off the back so he could watch TV and still sort of stay entertained but you know alleviate pressure and um you know that was he was watching the kids that week so he had to go pick them up at school and he's like hey will you drive me I'm like yeah yeah sure sure and I don't know if you remember um that old Monday night football game where they're taking Kellen Winslow off the off Mm -hmm. the field you know that's literally how I had to get Tiger to the car his put his arm around me and he had a cane in the other hand and was like using a lot putting a lot of his weight on my shoulder um just to get him to the car and i had to lay the seat back and drive really slow and make sure not to hit too many bumps and we're sitting in carpool and just kind of laughing at just how things had changed how life has kind of just come full circle in a sense and we both had two kids and um he's got a back injury back back injuries what sort of ended my golf career um, but also chuckling that we're sitting in carpool waiting to pick up our kids with all the other moms, you know, in, in the carpool line. And um, he's always had a great disposition about that. But to go from that and me sitting there two feet from the guy and in the living room slash um, dining area, that's where all the major championship trophies. He has to get a really nice like four level and they're all displayed there. And I'm just looking at those throughout the course of the, the, the week that I was there. And I'm just like, gosh, that's it. Like I'll never, there won't be another one added to this just because there's no way a human can. Yeah. Cause covering it and, and Colt, you see this as well, as much as I do now that with, with your role uh, with CBS is that, you see it and it's not even familiar to me anymore. Like what the athletes can do out there now and the shots and the speed and the finesse and just everything that they're capable of creating um, in some pretty interesting circumstances. And to know that Tiger was going to have to go up against that and the guy couldn't literally lift himself out of a chair with his own power to see him win the tour championship and then go on to win the Masters the following year is just a completely... Um, remarkable surreal experience for me as a as a friend and someone who um, is very close last tiger question for me but you mentioned earlier how you said you view him as a peer and you know you viewed him as a peer when he came to stanford and things like that you have probably the most special relationship with tiger of anyone that i'm aware of do you still view him as that as like a peer and maybe that's why you guys have the relationship to this day that you do because you don't put him on that pedestal yeah we're family Mm -hmm. i mean i give him honest feedback and you know, through thick and thin, through all the controversial things, through all the great things, I've just tried to always be consistent and supportive like a friend would, um, not to turn my back on him when things were bad or he was being perceived in the public um, 
by the be, being perceived by the public in a negative light. I just um, that's not when you turn your back on your friends. That's when you go there and you express and, and make sure that they know that you're there to support them and um, hear their side of the story and not pass judgment and just try and um, be a good friend. I just think that's what the definition of a, of a friend is, is um, it's unconditional support. And um, it's, it's really been a, a great relationship these past 40 years. Yeah, that's something really special, no doubt. But we got to talk a little bit about your golf game. Because, I mean, <laughs> that'll take about three minutes. No, not, but I don't think people realize how good yeah. you were. Because I mean, you, I mean, you've you've done a lot of incredible things. National championship team, shot fifty nine four times on one four times on the PGA Tour, played a Presidents Cup team, and by the way, those four wins all mm-hmm. come within like ten months of each other. Yeah. So, and it was ninety nine two thousand, I believe, when That's right. your certain friend was also yeah. doing some pretty cool he things. Was all right. So, was there some chirping going back and forth? During there, that there run? was a lot of chirping, but I think that's why, to a certain degree, it got overshadowed. Colt, I mean, I was okay. winning four times in ten months when Tiger was winning twelve times in ten months, and so my if that would have happened now, it would have garnered a lot more attention. I mean, we're going crazy when just Jason Kokrak wins twice in seventeen starts. I won four times in in about the same amount of time. Um, so, but, but that's fine. Like that wasn't why I got into the game. I got into the game to pursue excellence, to win and to push myself as, as much as I could. And, um, you know, sometimes athletes break down. I broke down. Um, you pivot, you do something else. And now I'm lucky and fortunate to be in television doing, doing things from a different perspective. But yeah, I I had a great run there, um, to be on the Walker cup team and represent, my country as the first Native American on that team in history to play alongside my good friend Tiger, who was the first African American on that team. Um, those are significant accomplishments that sort of go overlooked at times, especially um, as we're trying to grow the game. We're trying to reach more people um, to to show them just how special this game is and and what it means to us um, that have been able to enjoy it at the various levels. I mean, you yourself, a very well-decorated junior golfer, amateur golfer professional, and it's still giving you so much in return in terms of all the opportunities that it's created. And it's just, it's an amazing thing. And, um, and, and he's a big part of, you know, we're, we're so entangled with, with my history with Tiger that, um, you just sort of try and, uh, I, I I don't take it for granted. I should just say. No, I mean you got to 19 in the world. I mean you were a stud. Not, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that ain't not many people do that. That ain't an accident. When you're yeah. in that stretch of golf, four wins in the 10 month stretch, which is wild when you look at it. When you're in that moment, are you realizing to yourself at that time, like, man, this is some crazy stuff going on right now? Or does it take some time to pass and kind of get out of it to look back and reflect and be like, oh wow, what I did that that 10 months was. Yeah, special. it's taken me about 20 years to actually appreci- <laughs> to appreciate it. I'm a slow learner in that regard. You just get in it. You get in these modes where you just um, you find like this is this is how it's supposed to work. Like you work your whole life to create this this game where you can you feel like you can go out and just kind of somewhat almost control what's happening. I know you're never in control in golf, and you'd be crazy to think that you were. But you just find this this space, this creative space. Um, and, and I found it. I found it, and I was playing just amazing golf. I mean, there was a stretch of, of, of tournaments there where I just didn't feel like I could lose. And um, I ended up you know, getting my first top 10 in a major, which is Tiger 1 at Valhalla. And then that qualified me for the President's Cup. And then Tiger and I went out in four straight matches together. And 
we went two and two. We but the thing that I remember the most is that you know we took on Ernie Els and Vijay Singh, who were two and three in the world at the time. Tiger just come off, and this is the one thing that blows me away, Colt, and you can appreciate this is I didn't realize it at the time, but and I just it just dawned on me about a month ago because I was just looking at the the Ryder Cup races and having covering covered Presidents Cups and things, but. I, I just I don't know why I didn't realize this even then is that when I was playing with Tiger he had just won three majors in a row, so I was <laughs> like it didn't like I was just like oh it's great to play with my college buddy this yeah. is cool but I'm like I just thought about it a few months ago and I'm like he won three majors like that was like the greatest golf we'd ever seen played and I was just I was lucky enough to sit yeah. along and play with this guy when he was playing this this amazing level of golf i mean when we were going from certain holes that were over water myself and vj and ernie we used the bridge and tiger just walked on the water right over to the <laughs> to the green that's how how good he was playing um but you'll you'll love this story colt so we're we're in there and, and we're playing against vj and ernie and it's an alternate shot which is a format that has more to do with chemistry than how well, how how good you are at the actual game, and Tiger and I's chemistry was so good that we were a couple we were a couple holes up with I think three or four to play, and Tiger was playing so good he was in this zone that he was just basically invincible, and so he gets drives it um, on a par five I believe it was like the 14th or 15th hole, and I go over I can't reach the green I go over and I ask him, hey man, what number do you want me to lay you up to? He didn't, he wouldn't even look at me. He just put his finger and he pointed, he goes, just, just lay it out there somewhere. Just lay it. I kind of scratched my head and I'm like, this is the President's Cup. Like, this is a big deal. I want to win. So I go back and I'm like, seriously, man, what number do you want? And he still wouldn't look at me. He just kind of points down the fairway and kind of gives it a little wave. He goes, just put it out there, man. We'll be good. Right? So I'm like, okay. So I go back to my caddy. I'm like, 90 is his worst number. At the time, 90 was a number he was not happy with. So I'm like, tell my caddy, give me 90. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this great. is true. You can ask Tiger himself when you see him. And so I lay him up to 90. And what even made it better was a little bit of a downhill and a little bit of a bear patch. It was thin grass, mm -hmm. right? He gets up there, and he looks at it. And I'm kind of just standing onto the side kind of chuckling because I hit it perfect to a it was a terrible shot that he had. <laughs> <laughs> President's Cup. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, he blades it over the green yes. into the back bunker. <laughs> and I'm loving it, right? I'm like, okay, yeah. this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the guy, like, settle him down a little bit, right? <laughs> so I go up there, and I chip it in there, and they give, you know, we have the hole. And he kind of looks at me walking off. He's like, because he knew that he messed up, and he, and I said, hey, man, like, I don't really care who you think you are, but when I ask for you, you for a number, you better give me one. He looked up to me and he goes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that you knew, that like, what number he hated. Yeah, That's oh, great. yeah. I mean, it um, – but that's how good of friends we have. We have a good laugh about that. We have a good laugh about so many things in terms of your college days. He loves Stanford University and everything that it gave him and did for him. And um, so we always have some great things. And our kids are basically the same age. Yeah. Sam, 
Uh, he had a daughter first, so did I, and then he had a son second, and they're about the same age. And so we just kind of been going through a lot of these different levels together, which um, it's a great uh, thing to share with someone that you care so much about. That's cool. That's really beautiful cool. Beautiful presence, Cup. What do you yeah. want? Yeah. Right, <laughs> well, it was his 90, fault. If he would have given me a number, I would have laid it there. Yeah. I would have laid it. Yeah. From 250 and in, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Anything but 90. All right. Well, obviously, I mean, it was very unfortunate. Your career ended um, as quickly as it did with your with your back problems, but it led you to TV, which you're doing an incredible job at. Is that something you ever thought, like, I'm going to end up in TV one day? Never. Never. I mean, I never thought in 100 years. Because athletes don't think about the end of their careers. Mm-hmm. They only think about the beginning. They only think about, wow, this is what I'm going to do when I get to the NBA or I get drafted or I get to the – PGA Tour, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to make money, win tournaments, and buy a house and cars and whatever people have in their dreams. They don't see like, wow, what's going to happen when my back goes out and I can't play anymore? I don't know. Um, And it just, you know, I have to give uh, Matt Haggerty, uh, Rich Lerner, um, who was the first guy to say, hey, you know what, you should really think about doing this. And then, of course, Tommy Roy at the the NBC broadcast team for giving me a chance to to get in one to one of those roles because I mean you know it as well as as I do it's not easy mm-hmm. it's certainly not easy to be able to get in in the spotlight and talk about golf and and articulate what's going on be creative be entertaining informative know when to talk know when to shut up um and uh, I've just learned a great deal, and it's allowed me to do a lot of really neat things outside of golf in terms of my nonprofit work and the National Junior Golf Tournament that I started um, a year ago. So it's really been a, a blessing in my life and a wonderful opportunity to get good at something that you never sort of – you don't really know if you can do it until you just put the headset on and and, 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 you, and you press go because – there's been some people that I thought would would be good at it that haven't made it, and um, vice versa. Was there ever a plan like you are right, your your career? You stop playing, and then you go into broadcasting. Was there ever like, all right, if my career does end, let's say broadcasting wasn't on the table, I might think I might want to get into this or or something else. Had you even explored that when the time came, or was this broadcasting thrown on you and you're like, oh, that sounds good? Well, it's been great. Um, I'm always looking for entrepreneurial opportunities in terms of investment, creating new. Um, companies, things like that. Uh, I just think it's th- this country is wonderful in what it makes available to people that have good ideas and are willing to put the work into them. Um, and some of the coolest things have come up from the, some of the simplest ideas. And I've always just been um, very intrigued and interested in just trying to create things that, um, that make people inspired and provide purpose. And so um, I don't like to put my time into things that sort of are sort of one dimensional. I like to have a, a, a broader impact in, in a variety of different areas, you know, social change, um, create new pathways for people to achieve things beyond their wildest dreams, because that's just a reflection of kind of what my life is. I mean, I grew up on the reservations in and around um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm proud of where I come from, and I've always been proud of where I've come from. But, um, you know, to this day, there there's never been a full-blooded Native American on the PJ Tour again. And I hope that that can change over the next 20 years um, by passing on what I've learned to young kids. You know, we just started a, a national Native American youth golf team this year. So 
we've got 15 competitive golfers in New Mexico that are interested in becoming better at tournament golf. And so I get a chance to pass on these unique experiences, playing alongside the number one player in the world, possibly the greatest ever, firsthand um, getting to see these these amazing things that, that Tiger's done and hear from his, in his words, in his mouth, um, what he felt in those big moments and then pass those, those things along. So, you know, that's what intrigues me about life after golf. And I, I think the longevity you can have in golf is a blessing and a curse because I think it, it, um, prevents talented people from doing other things because you can play into your late 40s and then transition to the Champions Tour. So you just, whereas other sports force you out in your mid-30s. Like, if you're 35 and you're still in the NBA, MLB, or playing professional soccer, like, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And so those athletes at the age of 35 or so, they're forced to do something else. Like, they have to become broadcasters or entrepreneurs or go into private equity or other sorts of things um, because their sport doesn't want them anymore. Um, whereas golf, like it used to be, you didn't hit your prime into your mid thirties, but now these kids, <laughs> now it's yeah. like, you're an old man Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. in this game at 35. Yeah. Well, you're doing some incredible things. No doubt about that. All right. Should we get to the emergency nine slates? Yeah, let's hit that. All right. This is no, no, we do nine fun questions to get to know you oh, tell gosh. some better stories, even a little better. Okay. We're going to start out. We actually just, you're our first guy to ask this. We've mm-hmm. always done. You know, in, in our past episodes, a movie about the life of you, who would play you? But we, we're switching it up. We're, we're, we've, we've <laughs> if you have the, an answer for that, feel free yeah. to throw it out there. But we're going to go with, if you could be anyone else for a day, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. Dead or alive, doesn't matter. Um, I'd be Prince. Interesting. Nice. I would not have guessed that. <laughs> Why? Because the wardrobe? No. You don't guess he does? Well, number one, the guy can dance. Okay. Number two, he he was like a savant at like every instrument. Like he was studio level player with like five or six instruments. Right. I just want to know what that feels like. He's a crazy talent. Who yeah. we have on? Oh, Larry. Wasn't it Larry, Larry Fitzgerald? Fitzgerald? We had yeah. him on, and he was like going to meet Prince for the first time. It was oh, really? Yeah, it didn't go so well. I <laughs> bet. It was like his draft party. He was coming out. Was I didn't say I wanted to meet Prince. Yeah. I said you I wanted, wanted to be him. Prince. You wanted his talent for a day? I don't think I want to meet him. Yeah. I just want Perfect. to be him. You can have a hell of a closet uh. to choose from or whatever you want to wear on day one, being Prince. <laughs> All right. Uh. All right, next one. Which gives Tiger Woods more problems, Nick O'Hearn or barbecue barbecue joints you take him to in Albuquerque? Oh, my gosh. I, I, Nick O'Hearn, I think he would love to have those matches back. Oh, my God, that guy had his number. Re- even wrote a book on it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't read it. Was it any good? I have no idea. I didn't even know he wrote a book about <laughs> it. Beat Tiger a couple times and wrote a book? You should write five books. <laughs> But the barbecue joint in Albuquerque, is that a real story? I heard it was at regionals. That's y'all a real at, story. Yeah. No, that's a real story. And that might be the only thing that could stop Yeah, him. no, no, no. And it was the only thing that almost stopped him. Um, so we were at regionals, and obviously, if you don't make it through regionals, you can't get to nationals. We were defending national champions, number one ranked team in the country. And both Casey Martin and Tiger came down with food poisoning the night before the final round. And so I'm getting ready to, we're getting ready to leave. And I go into both their rooms and they're just throwing up and sick as a dog. And 
And I just said, look, one of you, ha I just literally went, <laughs> one of you has to go. I don't care which one it is. One of you has to play today because we need four scores. So Casey's like, I just can't do it. So Tiger's like, okay, I'll go. So about every three holes, he would have to walk to the side and throw up on the side of the tee box <laughs> and then make a run for the bathroom on occasion because it was coming out both ends. <laughs> and the best, the best memory I have of that is there's a long par three, and it was the eighth hole. Long par three back then, you know, I mean, 240. He's about to hit his tee shot. He steps back out, goes over to the side of the tee, throws up, wipes on his towel on his bag, goes over back, lines up, hits the ball on the green, and then oh, goes in yep. two putts. I think he shot a couple under that day. Like, Why he played he great. Why wouldn't he? I just thought he would have yeah, shot the course I mean, record. And looking back on it, having mm -hmm. a, a sick stomach in contrast to having a broken leg was like an easy thing for him. So. Yeah. Was that UNM's course? Yeah, it was university. And you took him to that, but wasn't that like your spot? That was your like your. That was my joint. Like, yo, just, you gotta go I here. Mean, I was before. fine. Like we had <laughs> we had three three out of the five were fine. I just those guys maybe might you be got a, a little weak stomach. Yeah, they 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 may a little bit more uh, susceptible to that cult. What do you think? Mm, he's soft. <laughs> they can't handle that soft that local barbecue. <laughs> the only thing that can stop him. All right, next question. Your guy over at NBC Golf Channel, Brandel Chambly. So he's seen a lot of celebrations, a lot of putts made to win tournaments. He said, by far his favorite is your double guns at Hartford when you made the putt. And we tried to find it. We couldn't find it. So I need you to reenact yeah. it. I, <laughs> because I, he I said Googled, it's better than any Tiger fist bump, anything. I Googled and YouTube the hell out of this. I couldn't get it. Wow. Um, it's great, you know, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge soccer fan. And, you know, you know, when they score in soccer, it's just like the greatest, you know, because they, they'll go 90 minutes and 0-0, zero, zero, and yeah. then finally somebody scores, right? So you see, you always see Ronaldo or Messi or Maradona or whoever, you know, they run to the side and then they, like, point to the crowd or they blow kisses to the crowd. Well, I did both. <laughs> I double guns it to the crowd and then I blew them kisses. <laughs> Right, yes. I, I, I double gun. Well, let Good me tell. Shooter. Well, let me tell you why. It was I was Shooter McGavin yeah. before Shooter McGavin, um, but <laughs> it was great. You got to find it. If not, we'll, we'll find it. Right, right. So it was my second week. It was my second win in a row mm -hmm. in consecutive weeks. Okay, and it was a walk off win. So. I was in the last group with Mark Kalkovecchia, and we came, we were tied going into the last hole. Kalk hits it up there two inches from the hole, nearly goes in. I th actually thought he made it. He goes and taps in, so I had a 22-foot putt. Was, there was nobody on the course. I was the last person to hit a, hit a ball on, in the tournament, and I knock it in. When do you get a walk-off? <laughs> Never. Ever. You got a gun. So you got a double gun. I was, I was just thanking the fans who I knew were happy to not have to watch a playoff. <laughs> and I double guns them for it. Did you have that prep? Was that like, I yo, did, next no, time I all, win, I'm no, double gunning it was them? Just all, no, it, it was, was all off the cuff. You know, oh, that's, that's just kind of how I roll, right? Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. The double guns. You were shooter before shooter. I you mean, should get royalties from that yeah. movie. You should get a little something. Well, here, let me just go with another one then. You do two in a row because this leads perfectly since that was from Brandel. Describe Brandel Chambly in four words or less. Oh, that's not many words. Prepared, ruthless, but fun. 
There you go. Perfect. That's four. That's way nicer than I was hoping you were That's that Stanford education. That was exactly yeah. four words. Gosh. I was hoping for something kind of mean. <laughs> you said four digging. words. Right, we gotta, we'd, have yeah. to, we'd have to cue the tape up for another hour if you want me to oh, go on that right. one. No, four words. Best. That's tough. That's well done. That's what... All right, next one. Okay, mine. Here we go. More intimidating on the first tee, Tiger in his Sunday red or young Noda with the pop collar, face paint, and the hoops. That was a look. Oh, yeah. I was, I, was, uh, I was intimidating back then. Let me tell you just how intimidating. So it was <laughs> – the first AJGA event I ever played up in Denver, Colorado, and I was paired with Trip Keeney, and he had a four-shot lead going into the last day. I showed up with the collar, the hoops, and the paint on my face, and I had a two-shot lead at the turn. <laughs> was that the first time you did the paint? Well, oh. that was the first time in a big tournament. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's actually, you know, just to kind of clarify that for everybody, um, you know, Pueblo Indians, when they're about to embark on uh, – a, a strenuous test. Uh, they take red clay that you harvest from the land on our reservations, and um, you say a prayer, and then you dab the clay under your eyes as just kind of testament to um, sort of bringing the best out of yourself in through this test. And I always looked at a, a round of golf as a test, and it is a test. Yeah. And so it was just my way to kind of maintain you know my traditional beliefs in accordance with how my grandmother and my mother raised me to sort of never lose sight of where I come from and um and I stopped doing it because through the media it was kind of became more of a focal point they were talking more about that than they were about my golf game and so and then it sort of led into stereotypes and things and I just that's not what I wanted to perpetuate through my career or my game I wanted to perpetuate sort of a different version of what people perceive Native Americans to be. I wanted them to see me as somebody that, you know, that does the right things, makes good choices most of the time, Cole. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, you know, other kids from could look up to and sort of, you know, try and at least model some of the things that I do. It's beautiful. Love it. All right, next question. I'm going to try to help you make some money here. Can you please explain the difference between the T-less driver and a three-wood? <laughs> I need to hear this. Because I don't get it. Well, when the T-less driver, when the ad goes on, I make money. But when someone just puts some other random three-wood in, I don't make any money. So I'm a big so proponent of the T-less driver. perfect. But let me tell you that's this. Good. Let me good tell answer. you this. Yeah, that's a great economics back um, <laughs> uh, explanation. But... And I'm not kidding. So, Garen Reif, who's the guy that developed the T-list driver, is really, really smart about these clubs. And so, we were filming the commercial, and you do these, you believe them because they work, and they do work. They, they allow people to get the ball in the air. So, he goes, I want you to hit one out of the fairway bunker. He goes, there's no way this thing will not come out of the fairway bunker. And then... You've been there as a player. I've been there as a player. You hear the reps talk about their products. You're like, this is complete BS. I, it's not going to get out of this fairway bunker. So I put some balls in this fairway bunker about 10 yards away from this pretty high lip. And I'm like, I'm just going to rifle these balls. I'm going to hit straight down on this ball. I'm going to rifle it right into the lip of this bunker so <laughs> this guy will shut up. Okay? <laughs> I swear to God, Colt, this thing would, just went straight in the air. And I'm like, I was a believer. You're you're selling it. Right I was right a believer. Now. I'm about to, I'm about to log. Like, I was a right believer now? in the T-list driver. That's incredible. I really was trying to put it into the into the face. I couldn't do it. It went straight in the air on the uh, green. 
Go buy a T-less driver. Think how many times you would have won with the T-less <laughs> in your bag. You got four. You would have had a grand I slam I with yeah. the T-less. I might have won a few All those 260-yard fairway bunker shots. Was, All right, we talked about T-less driver. Your good friend Aaron Oberholzer also endorses a wedge called the XE1 wedge. If you've hit it, I need the peer review from Nota Begay on your on your thoughts on the XE1 wedge. I, I've never hit the XE1 because I'm a good chipper. Yeah, you don't need it. That's, unchunk- yeah, but that's it's for unchunkable, mar- dude. marginal it's unchunkable. short game. I mean, maybe in 10 more years, I'll call Aaron and go take one out of his garage. I actually had dinner with Aaron the other night. It was great. Great storyteller because you don't have to do any of the talking. You just do all the listening. I agree. That's fair. That's fair. We've had him on. I texted him about asking that question. About right. I kind of tweaked it a little bit. But you come out You come out next tournament with an XE1 and a TX driver. You're winning by 12. I'm good. I don't care who you are. I love it. All right. I got one more. Yeah. All right. So you, we talked about this. You rock the hoop earrings on tour. That was mm-hmm. a look. That takes a special dude to pull that off. Give me one guy on tour right now that you think has the juice to pull off the double hoops. Well, maybe not right now. John Pock does. Oh, he's doing he's coming it. up. He's yeah, he's the, rocking he's got it. The ice. He's got you know, like the he's little, got he's I don't got know the ice in there. Real. I, he's still in college or CZ. If they're real, yeah. someone needs to when look he's in. going to the big show, they're going to turn into real twenty. Not twenty four carat. What is that's gold? Um, what is it? It's uh, still carat. It's, three, but it's the like three D's it's like two or, or three carat. Three C's. Sure, four whatever. C's, five C's. It's like when you cut clarity, all the yeah, all yeah, carrot, weight, yeah. all that stuff. I heard he's he when you can, get he married. Rock. When you get yeah. married, call me, Cole. Hey, next, stay on, stay on that, yeah. topic here. No, tell <laughs> okay? him about the diamonds. Stay though, on tell topic. Tell him about the diamonds. I'll get you, you the three C's. We need to know C's. what current tour player you got to go pick someone other than yeah, John. Dude, they got the uh, juice for it. Oh man, that's a good question. You got to have a little bit of moxie to pull that one off. A lot of moxie. I had yeah. one I thought you would say. I got mine. Hold on. I don't tell know. You, you guys got to tell me who yours are, too. Because, yeah, I got one. Okay. Um, God, you're putting me on the spot here. That's well, I guess that's do. the whole point, right? Yeah, it's the E9, dude. Yeah. Um, golly. It ain't Tiger. Let me tell you that. He don't got it. <laughs> no, he, he don't, don't got, got that. it. He don't got, he don't got the game to go with the double hoops. Um. <laughs> Let me see. He got the game. He, got, he ain't got it like that. It ain't the golf game. He can't <laughs> pop that collar either. Who would it be? God, I know there's some guys out there that could do it. I just can't think of one. I'll keep going. You tell me. Who I know who. Juicy dudes. Do you think you no, know who I know is? who I think thinks he could, especially back in his earlier years, is Gary Woodland. Back when he had the, <laughs> no, the one pant leg rolled he up. He had the LL Cool J, the velour. 100% Gary thought about it. There's if he no didn't way do it. Gary didn't have an <laughs> yeah. era where he had some CZs in there. He might, yeah. He <laughs> might have thrown an earring or two back in the day, yeah. <laughs> Who'd you have? Well, I got. I just thought of another one off the top of my head. My guy Barnrat could pull it. My guy Barnrat could, could dress up like a Teletubby and pull that off. But I was going to say, Boog. Daniel Berger mm. might, Daniel be Berger? might, have, this, might yeah, have the juice to do that. Yeah, there you go. Boog might be able to do it. Yeah, he might be. HV3 might be able HV3 to do it. Yeah, yeah. He it. Might he's, be got able to, he's got a little swagger in his game. Or Webb Simpson. I'm I'm very <laughs> – yeah, Webb Simpson. I'm very – I'm pretty certain. I don't, Webb's no. Well, Webb's uh, no. that ain't for him. Boog has his ears pierced. I'm pretty positive I about would that. be flabbergasted if Boog didn't have an yeah. era yeah. where he had the, both. Double, I, I'm pretty sure he's single. Doubles, that's a, that's a whole a other look. game. That's yeah. JT. That's, that's like in sync, like, yeah, go. 98 mm, degrees. Right. You still can you get? You still have yours? Yeah, you're closed up. Yeah, now? no, I got them. Can you still put them? Yeah, in? I'll suit up right. Bring right them in for a show. major. Maybe like, for a major. Bring those back out. <laughs> <laughs> live from just yeah, here goes dude. Nota. Out with double Let's go down to Nota bling on number My first live from I had him. I had a completely shaved head and double hoop earrings. Like 
gorgeous. I think I'm surprised Golf Channel didn't shut down after that. You <laughs> got to bring that back. Find the right time and debut those babies. All right, last one. This is kind of more serious. Will we ever see another Tiger Woods in no, the game of golf? No. No chance. No, not for a hundred years. I think there's I think there's so many things that people don't understand and don't underappreciate that he did, that he brought to the table with regard to um, how he saw the game and what his personal relationship was with the game and just really how much he sacrificed to get every ounce of productivity out of his body and out of what he could do on the golf course. Um, you know, when we played in the 2000 PGA that he won at Valhalla, I called him the next day at 10 o'clock the Monday after, um, and he picked up the phone, and I go, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm out practicing. I'm hitting balls. And I go, you just won the PGA, and it was 150 degrees and sweltering heat out there. I was like, why don't you take a couple days off? He goes, no. It's like, I'm playing great. I want to keep this going. And I think that's what is missing. I think there's other players in our game that have the talent, but who's going to continue to push and push and push to the point of breaking, which he did. Mm-hmm. But then rebuild, put Humpty Dumpty back together and keep pushing forward even harder, which is, I think, probably one of his greatest attributes when there's nobody pushing him. There, weren't, there wasn't a Phil there that was competing with him on a regular basis. Ernie wasn't competing with him. on a re- There wasn't anyone there that was pushing him to be better. He had to push himself. And I think that was inherently one of his greatest gifts that I think goes overlooked quite a bit. That's yeah. awesome. That's just DNA. Well, note up, my man. Mm. Always fun sitting down and chatting. That was with fun. You. Thanks, that guys. Was a blast. I really enjoyed it. Bring those hoops back one yeah, time. Yeah, next time. People, you dude, got they it. Need that. You got it. Next Thank time you. we're in. Awesome. All right. Well, that was Nota Begay the third joining us. Sleaze, so I mean, probably the nicest guy we've ever had on. Adam Thielen, Nota Begay. It's, it's a toss up. Yeah. But how about this? I asked him when he realized Tiger Woods was special. They've known him, he's known him forever. They're basically brothers. He says, oh, we were playing the tour event at Disney. <laughs> yeah. And he shot 67, and I thought he shot 75. I'm like, so he was professional. Yeah. Already. I thought he was going to say when he was four yeah. and he was breaking par. That would have been a good time no. to maybe be like, yeah, I think this kid might have some. But no, he's already turned pro. It already won everything, won all the junior hams, all the U.S. hams. And then like, you know what? I got a feeling about this kid. <laughs> he might. This kid might have a future in this game, uh, by God. Man, but it was great. I love the story about when they played together at the President's Cup, alternate shot. He was trying, they had to lay up on a par five. He's like, Tiger, what do you want? He's like, I don't care. He goes, well, I knew he didn't like this yardage, so I hit it to that. And then all of a sudden, little skinny one. We saw why Tiger didn't like that yardage. Little skinny one from 95 yards. Like 90 yards or something. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you would think, I wouldn't think there'd be any problematic shot for Tiger Woods during that time. He's like, I like it 230 hanging lie, back left pin. Give me one of those. I mean, there's nothing there. He also, maybe, he might be the only guy to figure out how to, you know, be the kryptonite for Tiger with the laying up to that yards and then trying to poison, poisoning the damn Stanford golf team when they were the best team going into regionals and, yeah, Casey Mark couldn't even play the final round, so Tiger had to come in there. He was puking on tee boxes and stuff, and still got through. Yeah, but man, it was so much fun sitting down with him. He's great, you know, great on great on the TV. Um, obviously, his, I, I just it still baffles me. Like he doesn't get credit for being such a great player. Four wins. I mean, should have been rookie of the year. Yeah, in my opinion. Also, President we didn't even Cup. get into it, but the only guy to win on PJ Tour putting from both sides. I mean, like he was a hell of a talent. I mean, this guy this guy did a lot of great things in that game, and now you just kind of know him as Notre Dame. The broadcaster, but he's got a, a massive career. Yeah, he and it does a lot of good things for junior golf. Just really, really enjoy spending time with him. All right, well, time to get to the gambling portion of the program. 
you had a chance last week to make Dude, up some good ground. You know, I, I I mean, last week was just it's a tough week. It's kind of a crap shoot. I thought, who do you take? I mean, you could take Dustin Johnson. You don't want to use him there. Yeah. Brooks Kepka misses the cut. Kind of throw a flyer out there. I took my guy Keith, Jeff, Kevin Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Missed cut. Don't Larry. worry. Gave him a fan. Gave him a little FaceTime Friday night. Or actually, he FaceTimed me because I was hating on him, and I let him have know that I was very disappointed in his performance this week. How do you handle it? He was pretty drunk, so he don't. Yeah, he was, I was about okay to say. I bet, he was, I bet he was feeling. Oh, sorry about that. I'll yeah. chalk that up in the who gives a shit folder. Yeah. But you had Harris English, who was making yeah. a run, was in the final group God. Sunday. I was out with the group um, starting out Sunday. I had him the first four holes, and I'm like, this guy's gonna win by five. Watching him the entire week, like he was just hanging around, hanging around. But he looked so calm. I mean, his golf, his golf swing is so good. It just looks like nothing can go wrong with it ever. He was calm. The putter was looking good, and then when. He starts the day four behind, and he erases it in no time. I'm like, dude, this, this thing's done. Like, he's going to keep going. People are going to go backwards. It's a walk away. Then I was out of town. I had to drive home. Next thing I look, I'm, I'm looking on the scoreboard. I'm like, where in the hell are you? Six over on his last 13. So, I don't know what you did if you got there and slipped something in his drink or whatever. But that's, I I mean, left that's the kind of shit that back. happens, dude. It just changes like this. Justin Adley, bogey's the last three. Harris English looks like he might run away with this thing, playing perfect. Six over in his last 13, 40 on the backside. A little double bogey on the last just to, just to you know, shrink yeah, that, that check that, just a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, so even when I make good picks, we can't get to the crib right now. But I'm going to rectify that this week. All right, well, let's get to the standings. Producer Mark, I know he made up a little bit of ground. Yeah, but not as much as he would have liked. I think there's a lot of Twitter users out there that were jinxing him early Sunday, late Saturday night, making him feel way too good about himself. But uh, he did pick up $125,925. Lead still over a million, $1,178,662 heading into the U.S. Open. All right. Well, it's a big week, and I have a feeling I know who you're going to pick. Nothing in it. Nothing in it. Still a lot of golf to be played. Move yeah. the sticks, all that shit. Uh, yeah, and I'll just end the suspense. I'm going John Rahm. Been have, just waiting for him this entire year. Get him to Torrey Pines, U.S. Open. Then he goes out and plays probably the best golf that's been played on tour at Muirfield. Has the WD. I was going to pick him regardless, but um, I don't know if, like, like I said before, a pissed off Spaniard is a dangerous Spaniard. He's a beast around there. I mean, that's that's. I've just been saving him for this week. So I got a lot of big dogs coming up. That I'm gonna start uh, unloading, starting with John Rom this week. Eight to one, eight eight to one or ten to one, depending on what. Are book we sure you haven't at. picked him? Uh, not entirely, but I'm gonna use them anyways. I mean, you say you have a lot of big dogs left. I'm like, well, you picked a couple of them twice. I picked uh, who did I pick twice? Adam Scott. And you yeah. already used Xander, Patrick Cantlay. You ain't got that many big dogs. Left. Uh, I got I got DJ Brooks. Uh, but I mean, I have like more than half of the top 10 probably. Well, starting can, with this guy. You, hey, you're normally the kiss of death, so just keep on picking I'm, I'm used to, I'm used to, not too big often comebacks. you see the tournament favorite have maybe go a week without hitting a golf ball before and, a major championship and still be the tournament favorite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I'm going off the grid a little bit. You know, I'm involved in a lot of these and I'd like to strategically try to figure out where I want to place these guys. And I need to make up a little bit of ground in this big pool I've got going on. And I think this guy, he's going very much under the radar, which kind of surprises me. It's going off at 40 to 1, which for US Open, I feel like I'm taking a risk here. But I like, you know, I like to live on the edge a little bit. But this guy tied for seventh at the Farmers at this golf course. One of the best ball strikers on the planet. Has a very steep angle of tack, which is good out of the long US Open rough. And he's had a nice run in majors of lately. Will Zalatoris. Mm, skinny Will. Yeah. Skinny Willie. I, you know, it's going to be, I saw the weather. Looks like 75 degrees, no rain, sunshine every day. Place should get firm. You got to hit it to the moon. And that's what my boy Will Zalatoris does. He does it. I feel like that golf game is built for me, especially a U.S. Open. I mean, tee to green, animal, putter, whatever. But he hits it so good. He doesn't well, have I to just hold think that it's many. Be, yeah, it's, it's such a difficult golf course. Like, And I was talking with some people earlier, like, 
Who putts good at Torrey Pines? Yeah, Poana, other than like, Brant Snedeker, nobody. Exactly. So, but Poana, it's like kind of neutralizes the putter almost. This is late afternoon tee times. I mean, half of it's luck. I feel like you make one over ten feet, you get it the perfect putt, and it just wiggles around. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's just typical U.S. Open tee to green. See what they do with that rough, how much they graduated and stuff like that. But yeah, skinny Willie. I like it. Strong to quiet. Well, it's going to be an awesome week out at Torrey Pines, no doubt about it. I mean, U.S. Open. I believe you're going to be there, correct? Yeah, Thursday, Friday, I'll be out in the building. Your first going major. Out there. First major. I'm going to probably be standing on the first tee, see if anybody comes down with a shoulder, maybe get out there, you know, walking scorer, potentially. What is your role? course you, record? you know? No, I'm just doing radio out there. We're going to be doing the live coverage um, four hours a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Are I'll you, be out there on the grounds, walk the golf course, get a little feel for the place. you walking with a group? No, we're not walking with a group. I'll be, I'll be like the, you know, command center or whatever, calling oh. shots and things like that. But I will get out and walk the golf course. I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. Go watch a few guys and get some inside scoop, lay down a few wagers, you know. Well, the deal. Gonna, it's going to be awesome. The weather looks fantastic, which is obviously good news. I mean, you have to think even par around that joint. We saw it back in 2008 with Tiger, Rocco Mediate. I mean, what was it, one under? And that was a playoff. I mean, it's going to it's gonna play very, very similar to that, I would imagine. I would think. They don't have to do much to that place. Just grow the rough up a little bit, firm up the greens a little. I mean, the, the it's already there. The, the beef's already there. It's a big boy golf course, and I don't think they got to trick it up too much. All right. Well, everyone enjoy the U.S. Open, and we'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.